listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. You're listening to the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thank you for joining me on this adventure of learning. There's no end to what you can learn in client development or sales. Some industries are a little bit less overt about making direct contact with prospects. Others are, where it's totally appropriate to make a cold call or a cold email. Well, if that's not appropriate for your industry, you still may get some great ideas from our episode today and our conversation with Nick Hill. And the topic title is called How to Turn a Cold Email into a Hot Profit. Now, Nick comes out of the digital marketing industry. His company is called My Conversation. That company helps your salespeople close quality leads quickly simply by starting positive conversations with your ideal clients. I like the fact that Nick has clear ideas on how to do this and what works and what doesn't work. And also make sure you connect with him on LinkedIn, and we're going to put his other contact information on the show notes. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Some of the ideas that we have on here might be out of the box for whatever you do, but it never hurts to at least learn new things. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. I hope you get some great ideas from my conversation with Nick Hill today. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love with the Rainmaking Podcast. Our topic today is turning a cold email into a hot profit, and our guest is Nick Hill. Nick, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Scott. And so this topic title is interesting to me because some people, I know a lot of people, will send cold emails to prospects, and they get returned. You know, I I get a lot of people that try to sell me via email, and it just doesn't work for me, I guess. Uh, so what are some of the top action steps people can do to that can actually get results from that, from sending a cold email to turn it into a hot prospect? Well, interestingly, one of my uh, one of the co-founders in my conversation, who's also been a, a big mentor to me for many years now, we talked about this topic a lot, as you can imagine. It's part of our business. So one thing that he said to me, which is quite controversial, it's more of a mindset thing, I think, than an action point than anything else. Okay. And cold outreach not just cold email, yeah, but any type of cold outreach is people don't find, it's not annoying cold outreach when it works. Right, right. So cold outreach isn't annoying when it works. The reason I mention that is because I think most people, businesses, salespeople, solopreneurs, the reason why maybe they have an issue or have had issues with cold outreach is because they may feel like it is annoying and therefore, Mm. for whatever reason, that puts them off doing it and therefore putting the time into doing it properly. But as you Mm. would know, and as I know, most businesses are underpinned by cold outreach, especially early on, (laughs) before they have the money to invest in inbound marketing and elaborate digital marketing funnels, Mm -hmm. right? Most of the time, it's a founder that's hit the phones (laughs) traditionally. The thing that has changed over the last couple of years, though, right, is that things have gone online. Like There's been this huge shift in B2B, which is the online shift. And that's that's all that Gartner and LinkedIn and Harvard Business Review is talking about right now. But I would say the first actionable thing is to just understand that nothing's actually changed. Like mm. businesses still need to go out and, re- and find new business. And actually, if you're 
you know, you're questioning if it works or not, you're probably questioning your own beliefs and mindset around it. So the mindset, number one, mindset shift. Is, okay, is great. Really important. Yeah. And I've seen people that I've actually bought from that have reached out to me via email cold. And sometimes they'll mention a referral. I've noticed that sometimes they'll yeah. mention something that I said or I mentioned a show that they listened to that I produced. And it's like there's this little hook that got my attention. And then I slowly open my mind up into, well, I'll consider this. Well, okay, I'll talk with you. And wow, I'm glad I talked with you. Look at this great offering that you have. And boom, there it is. It actually works. What are some trends or some common traits that people who are successful in making cold outreaches, what do they have in common to actually make that effective? It's a really good question. And I think it opens up kind of, a, again, I know I'm probably doing a lot of high-level stuff here, but it opens up a wider conversation around what makes uh, cold outreach effective overall. And if we look at cold email, which we do a lot of, it's definitely down to a couple of elements regarding relevancy is a core component through everything that we do. So what I mean by relevancy is that's the biggest problem right now with what we call spam, is that most of the time when you get something you think spam, it's because it's not you don't think that's for you. It's irrelevant. Right. So I think relevancy is a key component. Now, relevancy in a cold email is not just based on what you say, it's who you're saying it to. So for us, one of the most important parts of our cold email campaigns for clients is making sure that we find the right people and that we've got the correct contact information for those people. And it sounds pretty unsexy, doesn't it? But it's really, really important element in an effective cold email campaign is data quality and targeting. So relevant. Okay. So let me ask you this. What are some examples of a relevant outreach? What are some examples that you can think of? So like you mentioned, you've had people mentioning to you that you, you know, you, that you've got a podcast, they they're showing some research in their outreach. But relevancy is as simple as I want to reach out to digital marketing agencies to offer them a white labeled service. But my email ends up landing in consultants and marketers at businesses, inboxes. We get that. I'm sure you see that all the time. I get it all the time. Hi, Nick. I'm just reaching out to you because we think, you know, my conversation is an agency and you, you'd be doing SEO because you're in digital marketing. We're not a digital marketing agency. So there's that relevancy has failed straight away, right? Yeah, because the targeting yeah. is incorrect. So right. the personalization might have been really good, but actually they've missed the point, which is, what they're trying to talk to us about isn't relevant to us. Yeah. So how do we keep that from happening? I mean, is I mean, that seems like it's a pretty time-consuming thing. We should should be one by one individually research yeah, I mean, who we're reaching out to. Uh, I suppose the two schools of thought on that. You have the what we know as ABM style lead generation and prospecting, when we, you know, the salesperson spends time on each person they're reaching out to to make sure that they know enough about them but let me ask you the right person you, you said adm is that what you said abm sorry alpha bravo yeah abm what does that mean exactly abm so account-based marketing uh excuse the analogy so it's quite big in us i think compared to uk so it's mm -hmm. probably growing over here more so now but account-based marketing started out really for it's an enterprise level approach so if you're working for salesforce and you or you're working for KPMG and you're trying to find new clients for the company, you're looking at big accounts, right? So you're looking right. at big corporations and then you're trying to find the right people in those the needle in the haystack approach. Yeah, right. That's where they are they are resourced with the right technology and the time to spend 
on looking at each individual, finding the right person, getting their email address, making sure them getting some research together. So they're highly personalized approach, yeah, highly yeah. relevant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The challenge with that for small businesses, if you listen to this now and you're a consultant, solopreneur, et cetera, or running a small business founder is we don't have time to do that. That's the challenge. Right. We don't have the time. So we need to leverage technology in that situation. That's the solution for okay. that. It's finding the tools that help us, A, figure out who our audience is, where they hang out, B, making sure we get as much information in a compliant way, of course. You know, we don't want to do anything creepy. Compliant information to tell us that I want to reach out to digital marketing agencies. Here's a list of digital marketing agencies, the size that I want to reach out to, and I've got the right people at those organizations and I've even got their contact information, and I know a bit about them as well. There are technologies that exist that can provide us all those things, and they don't always cost lots and lots of money to invest in. Some of these tools can be, you know, ten, twenty dollars a month. It's just right. knowing which tools to use. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's a lot. That's a whole world, I'm sure. Yeah. And so you mentioned account-based marketing. What are some other ways that we can uh, make sure we have the right people that we're trying to reach out, or ways that we can at least present ourselves as being relevant? I think you use a good, you leverage a good data platform or data source for your outreach. There is a lot of them out there, and, there's a, and it's quite, again, a complex world of data, uh, B2B data, contact lists. You know, mm-hmm. we've all had experience with that, buying data from various different sources. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. I think we rely on my conversation. I would always recommend this to anybody, whether we're working with them or not, is get the best quality data you can where you where it enables you not just the quality of the the data is good i.e the email address is verified and blah blah it's also making sure that you can filter the data to make sure that it's the correct audience because there's too many tools out there like for example linkedin if you've used sales navigator that's a great tool for going in and being able to put in there i want to speak to this size of company these Mm -hmm. types of job titles and that helps with the relevancy piece as well. Again, that's one tool that you can use, but there are so many others out there that are a similar level. Okay, that's great. That's great. So what are some of the common pitfalls that people need to watch out for as they're starting to turn that cold email into a hot profit, as they're starting to understand these other concepts and making sure that they're relevant, making sure they're talking to the right people and making a good first reach out? What are some of the danger areas and pitfalls? Danger areas. So think trying to propose on the first date is a yeah. definite pitfall. Too many people reach out with the first email, the first LinkedIn message, and try and sell their services directly off the bat. Propose on it. Not, not to propose on the first date. I love it. <laughs> yeah, don't propose on the first date, yeah? That was a, a phrase I heard from actually a, a big digital marketing company in the States, which has always stuck with me. And it applies to everything, not just what we do. But yeah, don't propose on the first date. So but what... Understand the objective of a cold email. Like It's not to try and convert a client. It, the objective of a cold email is to start a conversation. It's a really important distinction. That's great. Start a conversation. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Start a conversation. So, you know, that's the difference between booking my diary, and I, I don't even know you, right? You're asking me to book in your diary, versus what do you think about this? You know, oh, interesting. What, it's a big difference in a call to action and a it's a completely different call to action because you're you're not asking them to make a big commitment off of the fact they don't know you. You're asking them to engage in something that is relevant to them and interesting and give an opinion back or come back with some kind of 
um, question or a conversation is what you look what you're looking for, and that doesn't have to be a phone call. That could just be an email dialogue. Right, right. So it could be something where we see what somebody posted on LinkedIn, and we want to get in front of them to make a sales presentation, but yeah. we're not going to do that, and we might not even ask them what do you think about my offering. We might mention something about I liked your comment on that post. Do you think that? Cats really are better than dogs or something like that. I mean, it, it might not have anything <laughs> yeah. to do with, with what we want well, to really talk to them about. What do you think? Yeah, I think that you still, within that, I suppose, going into the next part of it is, yeah, you need to keep it everything conversational and the cold outreach. But I think the next part of it is then it's about the relevancy needs to be that you aren't just reaching out for no reason. There needs to be some kind of link to what you do. And that could be as simple as, I know you should post it on LinkedIn about this problem. Curious is if that has a, a bigger effect in the in the business of some sort. So you, what you're doing is you, you're not necessarily selling the solution at that point, but you're definitely trying to line up the problem that you can solve mm-hmm. and get their interest and get their get the curiosity from their side on that. And that's what we call assumptive tone. So assumptive tone over informative. Informative is I believe you, Scott, are doing this, and you're basically telling the person what you think they need to, what they believe. Whereas assumptive is, are you actually doing this problem right now? I'm not sure. I saw your LinkedIn post. You mentioned this. I'm wondering whether this might be a, a are you finding this challenge? Are you are you struggling with this problem in the oh, same way? Oh, wow. And if that's the case, you know, we should have a conversation maybe. Or, or if that's the case, we see these kind of statistics happening or we see these kind of things. And is that, do you think that's, is that something worth exploring? So it's, again, conversational. It's assumptive tone, though. It's not, you're not leading with, you know, I know you, you need help with this and we do X, Y, and Z. It's a different reframe. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I can actually recall situations like this where people are reaching out to me. And now that I know what, what they're doing, because you mentioned this, now I know that, ah, oh, they're just trying to get me on their whatever, you know. So it's interesting, I think, when you see it through that lens. Uh, but I can definitely see that being effective where you're reaching out to someone, you're tapping them on the shoulder, you're staying relevant, but there's no big ask, so to speak, other than at least connecting with them, engaging with them. Uh, What are some other examples of how you've seen people do that in the past, Nick? Content, like as in delivering effective content through a cold sequence, which is highly appropriate anyway. We should be doing that always, leading with content. So content could be, you know, we're working with a client at the moment. We've you know, these are the kinds of things that they're, they've achieved. It could be a case study share. It could be some article. It could be that you've got a really good lead magnet in the business, like a an audit tool or a scorecard of some sort that you can offer to mm. potential clients to say, hey, this is free. This is valuable. I want to share this with you. It could be an event. We're running a webinar in a couple of weeks' time. Is mm. that interesting? You know, so you're leading with value rather than leading with their time. You know, yeah. you're leading with something that's valuable to them. That's always important. I think even in our campaigns that are conversational, what we often do in the follow-up sequence, so we might send out email one today, that's presenting a problem, assumptive tone, conversational call to action. We might drop in there maybe a couple of bits about maybe a client success or something in the industry that's relevant. Email uh-huh. two, rather than just us knocking the door and chasing and chasing, which is, again, what gets annoying, right? Because, right. It's like, well, I didn't respond to email one. So, we need to come up with something different for email too. So we might in that email say, hey, P.S., here's, a, here's an article we wrote about this challenge in your industry. Yeah, that's, that's great. Valuable. 
that was a great idea. Content-led approach. Yeah, I love it, Nick. That's fantastic. And that makes sense. And I think it is absolutely relevant. It's not offensive. It's not going to scare people away. People love things that are free. I remember I had a training company years and years ago, back when email marketing was in its infancy. And I started off with a quiz. I had a quiz. Uh, How do you know if you're a good recruiter? I had a a training company for recruiting firms. And here was a quiz, a 10-question quiz, and people loved it. And I found just the idea itself that here I am, a new trainer in my niche. I'm actually creating content. And I guess I'm going to be seen as a thought leader. And that's kind of what happened with that. So I think that's interesting, just dangling that shiny lure of something that's valuable. And so this is really interesting. So let me ask you this, Nick, in terms of trends from COVID and what has happened with COVID, how do you think that's impacted people's ability to reach out to others in this way? Well, as I think as we discussed earlier on, like the you've got this huge B2B shift that's happened over the last three years where things have started to move online rapidly and they're not moving back. So a lot of the traditional methods like Cold calling, for example, I think there was a stat heard recently through a LinkedIn state of sales report that said, you know, only like 12% of people would now pick up the phone over some yeah. kind of digital communication. So, and like the majority of people now prefer remote digital buying experience over talking to another salesperson, which is kind of scary, isn't it? Now you've got generative AI here, right? We've got chat GPT, which is just constantly being talked about because of how big it can be i think the future from now right now what's happened is they've got all the noise but authentic content is still winning you know as in when somebody's got something relevant and good and valuable to say it stands out even in those channels even in a cold email or linkedin message if you've got the right person in front of you and you say the right things and you're authentic and you've got good content you'll still win that battle of noise which is you know battle of uh, share of ear or share of voice, I suppose, is what we call it in the UK. So I think you can win that battle even as a small business if your targeting is good, you've got the right people and your content's really good. However, I say this, however, now we have generative AI, we have a new battle on the horizon to win, which is everybody's going to be able to produce highly effective content that isn't actually from a human, but it sounds and feels very authentic. And that in itself is a problem or a challenge that we have to overcome. Because in 12 months from now, how will we know who is sending out real emails and real content and who isn't? So one of the things that we're working at the moment at my conversation, I'll share this with you, even though it's kind of in a roadmap thing at the moment, we're going through a VC uh, round to look at this. Oh, good. Good for you. Uh, Yeah, our category is called uh, content-driven engagement, which sounds very sort of high-level, like, you know, CRM, but it's designed to be high-level. But content-driven engagement is about cutting through the noise with the right people at the right time, effective follow-up. And the future that we see is, yes, use AI. Of course, it's there to help. It's there to not. It's there to help us do things better, especially small businesses. It's there to help us personalize and automate and scale. Yeah? Right. However, right. what we can do now with that AI tool and with the right content and with the right process is we can deliver things like video within that process, which, again, adds that human authentic element. And if we can introduce things like video into that mix, we create what is a more personalized, humanized approach and leveraging AI to do the rest. So we're looking at ways that we can create, let's, for example, it might be a a landing page that changes based on who sees it. So if you see it and you're illegal, 
helping uh, law firms recruit and sales, etc. The content is highly personalized to you. And then it changes based on the individual, based on their situation. That's what we're looking at. That's really interesting, Nick. You've definitely done your homework on this. <laughs> <laughs> Not a little bit, yeah. Probably about three years. Right, right. So let me kind of, uh, as we bring things to a close here, I wanted to summarize what are three action steps. If someone's listening to this, and you've given some great ideas, by the way, I've learned a lot from you. Uh, how can we kind of synthesize this and distill it into three action steps for people to get started implementing the ideas that you shared with us? Yeah, I think it's it's very, very foundational compared to what I've just discussed, which is all technology. I think because for me and for us, where the results come is normally from the homework and the and the research and the foundational pieces. So I would break that down to three action points. First of all, what a marketer would say to anyone is, know your audience and, and work out who your avatar is for your outreach. So really understand at a deep level who you're trying to reach out to, not just from a demographic point of view, not just size of business and job titles and things like that, but actually like what we call like a buyer persona and actually figure out not who they are, but on a deeper level, what problems and pain points are they going through in their business or personally right now where your service or solution can help them? That's yeah. the first thing to do, great. number one. Okay? okay, And we've got tools that we use for clients. And if anybody wants that, they can email me and I'm happy to share our kind of avatar questionnaire type. Yeah, you bet. We'll put, that on, we'll put your email on our show notes also, Nick. Yeah. Number two, I think create some really good content and use tools like use ChatGPT. Use all the tools you can to help you become a better cold email copywriter because ultimately that's going to be what helps get results. And, and every business owner should have copywriting experience or somebody in the, within the business who knows copywriting. And cold email copywriting is a specific skill set. There's a tool I recommend, actually. It's not our own, but we would recommend it. And it's, it's a US tool called lavender.ai. And I'll, I'll name drop it for free in here because I think if you're starting out trying to you know, get cold outreach out there, this is a great free tool to use that helps you to score how good your emails are. How good oh, that's content. great. Yeah. It's what a great, really what a great tip. That's great. And, uh, you know, it's something I would just suggest because people pay us a lot of money to do what we do, but that's that's a free tool that's really effective. Okay. Great. And then I think the third one would be quality data. It's so important. If you create all of that, if you spend all that time creating a really great set piece of content, email messaging, copywriting, you put all that together and your emails just land in the junk folder or don't get open, you fail. So <laughs> for me, Data quality then is really important. So having access to the best quality data you can afford. I mean, there are loads of different data solutions. There's a US one called Ample Market, which we've used, which again, it's not thousands of dollars. I'm not saying it's free, but it's a tool that we use. It's a US tool and it's got the, you know, the LinkedIn extension. So you can go onto LinkedIn and get people's email addresses, all that kind of stuff, right? All the little tactics that we love to use but it's also got access to verified email addresses. And that's the make or break for a cold email campaign. This is great, Nick. Thank you so much for all this great content and information that you shared with us. I learned a lot from what you shared. So tell us about your offerings. What is it that you do? And we'll put your links and the email, like we said, on the show notes. What What is it that you do that you want our listeners to know about? So, yeah, I mean, as the name will we'll probably give away, my conversation is a service that helps agencies, big brands, consultants, tech startups, you name it, uh, start warm conversation called outreach. So we have our own yeah. technology that does all the legwork. We've got automated 
email counting technology. We've got copywriters. We've got data research and campaign managers. And basically, companies pay us to do all that heavy lifting to go away and find the right people, create the right content to get their attention and start that conversation bit, which is the bit that takes the most time. From there, they, they're the experts, and we pass that on to them to take those conversations forward, of course. So, yeah, that, that's a subscription service that we've been running for the last three years. We've got our own software, and we do work in the U.S., uh, funny enough. We have got U.S. clients, and we do U.S. outreach for U.K. clients as well. So we obviously have overcome all of the data protection regulation stuff like can spam and things sure. like that. So all part of the service that we do, it's outsourced. You know, maybe we, we could call us a low-cost SDR, BDE, whatever you want to say, yeah? <laughs> That's great. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on my show today. I wish you all the best, and thank you again for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thanks very much, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. <laughs>